The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Paging Jamie Dimon, President Donald Trump was at the Business Roundtable in Washington earlier today. Closed-door meeting where he came face-to-face with about 100 CEOs. What does it mean for trade talks and what does it mean for the president who is launching his 2020 presidential campaign? Meanwhile, the president also making geopolitical moves. He says that he supports Israel, Israeli sovereignty over Golan. This just ahead of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's visit to Washington, D.C. early next week. And the fallout for Facebook. They are saying that they unintentionally allowed workers at Facebook to have the passwords of thousands of Facebook users. What does it mean for big tech regulations? We've got an all-star panel with us for the hour. Michael Steele, a former senior advisor to Jeb Bush's 2016 presidential campaign, as well as a former press secretary to House Speaker John Boehner. And now he's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. Kristen Hahn is a Democratic strategist, the former Blue Dog Coalition's communications director. And Kristen, I believe now you're at, you just... Rock Solutions. Rock Solutions. But before we get into all of that, it was a wet day in Washington, for sure. Rainy, overcast day. And to be candid, everybody in the Washington press corps and the White House press corps on full Bob Mueller report alert. When is it going to be finalized? When is it going to be released? When will the White House get it? Will the public be able to see it? All of these questions swirling around in this Washington weather today uh, as we continue to wait for any type of new developments from the Bob Mueller investigation. The president, for his part, uh, returning yesterday from Lima, Ohio, where he touted manufacturing jobs, returned to have more on the economic agenda front, uh, and he headed over uh, across town to and to the Washington-based Business Roundtable. It's, of course, chaired by Jamie Dimon, and it represents, really, it's like the largest coalition of, of CEOs and businesses in the country, all of their, their Washington arm. Uh, and the president had a closed-door meeting, according to a White House official, with about in 80 to 100 CEOs. So he's trying to keep the message on the economy, uh, but it comes fresh on the heels, as we've been reporting on all week, of U.S.-China trade talks and how the business community, arguably one of the most powerful business organizations in Washington, the Business Roundtable, has been really pressing the White House as well as uh, lawmakers and Republicans in particular up on Capitol Hill and Republicans breaking with the president on this to get rid of those tariffs on businesses uh, and because 
They're saying it's hurting supply chains here in the U.S. With me for the hour, Michael Steele, former senior advisor to Jeb Bush's 2016 presidential campaign. He's also a former spokesman to former Speaker John Boehner. He's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. And Kristen Hahn, first time on the on the show. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. She is a Democratic strategist, the former Blue Dog Coalition's communication director, and just started at Rock solutions is it rock or rok rock rock yes i don't want to like i don't want to yeah, like there's, like rock and roll <laughs> ron bongina is smiling he's right smiling right now there's, there's yeah. two k's Somewhere in rock. Rodell and ron, ladies and gentlemen there are two k's in rock two, when it comes that's, to that's rock, rock with two k's. two k's okay so okay so the president heads over to jamie diamond jamie diamond and president trump have had uh Interesting relationship, Kristen, mm-hmm. to put it to put it mildly. Do you think how do you think he was received over at the BRT today? I mean, I don't know. Trump uh Trump's got this interesting thing to deal with where he's got the politics, you know, where it intersects with the policy in DC, right? So you've got these CEOs who are looking at the bottom lines of their companies and advocating uh, certain positions, and um, he doesn't always listen. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, and he wants to look like the strong man here. So, you know, but I'm, see, much of the chatter in terms of coming from the business community has been, okay, President Trump, if you're able to get some type of deal with China, we want to see enforcement mechanisms. We want to see how is this U.S.-China trade deal uh, going to be enforced. So the president heads over to the BRT today after saying yesterday before taking off for Lima, Ohio, that the tariffs might remain in place to ensure that China still follows through with their end of the bargain. So careful what you wish for, Wall Street, because the enforcement mechanisms could actually be the tariffs. All right. mm-hmm. it, this is, there's, the president is very proud of the strong U.S. economy right now. He's proud of the low unemployment rate. He's proud of kind of turning around economic performance. I think the business community, broadly speaking, is very supportive of parts of what he's doing. Tax reform was a big win for the American economy. Deregulation is a big win for the American economy. And then there's the bucket of things that the business community and the president agree that they would like to get done, but we're not seeing a lot of progress on, like infrastructure. And then finally, there's these trade talks, which... However they wind up, the uncertainty that we're seeing right now, the questions that we're seeing right now, there's no question that that's hurting business. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 going back to the, the tax, the tax, you know, that, that was good for American business to be sure, large businesses. I'm not sure how good it was for the American economy and or salt, Americans. Or, 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 or wealthy suburbanites. I mean, we, we have an article in the Bloomberg Terminal just about how there's actually a faction of New York Republicans, for example, who are very much against the state and local tax deduction and how that's impacted uh, many folks. And the president's taking heat on that. Sure. And it's it's. There is a good public policy argument for that, for limiting that deduction, saying that we don't need to have Washington subsidizing uh, an expensive state and local government. At the same time, there's no question that it hits the bottom line of some suburban voters in these more affluent areas. So Fed Chair Jay Powell yesterday says that he wants everybody to be, quote unquote, patient in order to deal with these ongoing economic trade wins. But I'm not sure that these CEOs at the Business Roundtable can be patient. Actually, right after, the, or just as the president was there and leaving, they released a statement that said that they are urging passage of USMCA, or NAFTA, 2.0. So they've got, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling the, the heat a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of U.S.-China trade talks. And Secretary Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer are headed to China this weekend to continue those trade talks. But they also want to see USMCA. So my question to you, Kristen, mm-hmm. is 
well, are Democrats going to get on board with NAFTA 2.0? Because you've got some in the party who are mm-hmm. saying that it doesn't go far enough. It's not it's not progressive enough. And others who are saying, well, maybe this is as good as it gets. I mean, I think ultimately there'll be the votes that are there. But, you know, trade's a really interesting – it's an interesting um, – you know, policy area because it doesn't traditionally fall down on, you know, Republican or Democratic lines. It's more regional. Um, So, you know, I think that, you know, CEOs, this is always the issue with business dealing with Congress, that, uh, you know, CEOs want to move quickly. They want to make quick decisions. You can see that, you know, President Trump comes into office and signs 8,000 executive orders because he doesn't have the patience to deal with Congress. Um, But that's just not the way things work here. So... Exactly. Well, and the, I was going to say the fight to pass USMCA is going to be a new experience for the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. They've never moved. They have not yet moved a major piece of legislation with a Democratic majority in the House. And so this is I think it's something that Nancy Pelosi would like to see done. I think it's something that a yep. lot of people in the House Democratic uh, caucus would like to see done, as well as the administration. But getting from here to there is going to be tricky. All right. And yeah. I would just say, sorry, the, no, the, no. The, the Democrats, I mean, there are a lot of moderate Democrats who are open to working with the president on any number of issues, including this this one and infrastructure. So don't count discount the Democrats' willingness to actually come together with the president. All right, meanwhile, this. while the president's there, we, we have a great story up on the Bloomberg Terminal uh, by our uh, colleague David Welch, and he's saying that GM is plotting an electric investment that they're going to announce on Friday. This, of course, comes following the Lordstown closure of that GM plant. And President Trump really going after GM, really going after uh, David Green of the United Auto Workers. So really remarkable to see how CEOs are engaging with this White House. Coming up, we talk foreign policy. The president uh, making a U.S. policy change or says it's time for one with Israel. Plus, we get into this back and forth with President Trump criticizing the late, great Senator John McCain. Panel stays Michael Steele, former senior advisor to Jeb Bush. He's now at Hamilton Place Strategies. And Kristen Hahn, Democratic strategist and former Blue Dog Coalition communication directors. She's at ROKK Rock Solutions. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Tonight, President Trump made the decision to recognize that that hard-fought real estate, that important place, uh, is proper to be a sovereign part of the state of Israel. That was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo speaking last night about President Trump's new foreign policy decision. He followed up with a tweet the president did and said, quote, after 52 years, it is time for the United States to fully recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, which is of critical strategic and security importance to the state of Israel and regional stability. Now, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio, here to walk us through the geopolitical policy implications of this. Michael Steele, former senior advisor to the Jeb Bush 2016 presidential campaign. He also is a former spokesman to the former House Speaker John Boehner. Now he's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. And Kristen Hahn is a Democratic strategist. She's the former communications director for the Blue Dog Coalition. And uh, just joined ROKK Rock Solutions. So this decision, Michael Steele, is 
is a huge win for for Israel and 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 the and and really no other way to look at it. I mean, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, he wants this. Yeah, this is this is a look from a policy point of view, from a practical point of view. This is a great decision. This is territory that is absolutely critical to Israel's security. This is, in my opinion, long overdue recognition. The thing that I worry about, though, is I want. America's relationship with Israel and our support for Israel to be a bipartisan issue. I don't like the fact that this alliance between the Trump administration and Prime Minister Netanyahu looks like it is hardening Democrats against Israel. We're seeing a wave of Democratic uh, presidential candidates announcing today that they will not be attending uh, the, Ismer, uh, uh, the APAC conference, the American Friends of Israel conference uh, here in Washington. And I think that's a really bad sign for the future of the relationship between the United States and Israel. Uh, Kristen, that, he, makes a, he makes an interesting point. I mean, there's no question Israel is, is without our most important ally in the Middle East. I mean, and to see 2020 presidential candidates just not attend APEC, I mean, what do you make of all of this? I think it's, I, I agree with Michael that, you know, it's dangerous that we politicize our relationship with Israel. Um, it's going down a bad path. And I think, you know, there, the, the political atmosphere that we're living in Washington right now and across the country is kind of forcing people to different sides, and, and we have to be careful of that. And, and I think also, you know, the, the, the president's going to face criticism that he's politicizing, you know, they're three weeks away from their elections, that he's interfering in, you know, their, their elections. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. Well, there's a lot to unpack. And, and President Trump has an incredibly high approval rating in Israel. And so when you, you mentioned this, Chris, in April 9th is when Bibi Netanyahu is up for re-election. He's facing domestically charges of corruption. And so to have this type of of announcement coming from from the president of the United States in a country where he enjoys such high popularity, there's there's domestic Israeli political implications, and the prime minister is going to be in Washington D.C. the first half of next week on Monday and Tuesday, a meeting at the White House with President Trump with Secretary Pompeo. So, uh, but but and, and quite I mean I wonder does President Trump want to have this debate, Michael? To your point, oh absolutely, with Democrats, absolutely because I think that he believes that support for the state of Israel becoming a partisan issue is probably a political advantage for Republicans. I think that politically he's probably right. I think that the recent kerfluffle over anti-Semitism among the House Democratic Caucus is a reminder that, that this can be, that support for Israel among the American people is very strong and politicians who cross the state of Israel politically face substantial consequences for it. Yeah, I mean, this is just another case of President Trump putting divisiveness and political rhetoric and politicizing another issue dividing the country where it doesn't need to happen. Well, what about Congressman Omar, Congresswoman Omar, the Democrat from, from Minnesota who, I mean, could, could you make the case that maybe she also divided with yes. her anti-Semitic tweets? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm not defending those in, in any way, but the president is the president of the United States of America. I want to play for you what Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said uh, really when all of this happened, because here's how it's playing in Israel. President Trump has just made history. I called him. I thanked him on behalf of the people of Israel. So, I mean, I remember when I when when the we during the president's first international trip, that tour around the world, uh, we went to Israel. I mean, and it was it it was very very uh, you know. It was, it, there, were, there were not hiding. Prime Minister Netanyahu was not hiding that he was uh, welcoming President Trump uh, and and fully 
fully on. Well, and this is this is the only the latest in a series of efforts that the administration has made to improve this relationship, to bolster both America's relationship with the state of Israel and Prime Minister Netanyahu, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, which has been a bipartisan, claimed to be a bipartisan goal of American presidents for decades. Trump actually did it. I, I think that there is... It is great for the United States, the American administration, and the Israeli administration to have such a close working relationship. What worries me is that at some point there will be a different American president, and at some point there will be a different prime minister of Israel, and I'm very worried about what that relationship looks like then because it has been so personally strong between Netanyahu and Trump and because there is a backlash coming from Democratic Party in part because of that. You know, you don't strike me as a pessimist. <laughs> coming up, we talk about Facebook and all of the big tech potential regulations for Facebook after they announced that they inadvertently gave access to their employees thousands of users' passwords, and, of course, the latest on President Trump's comments about the late, great Senator John McCain. Panel stays Michael Steele, as well as Kristen Hahn. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Cindy McCain just moments ago releasing a statement to uh, a public statement as she, the widow, of course, of the late great Senator John McCain, the Republican from Arizona, former prisoner of war who is facing renewed political attacks from President Trump. This week, she says uh, in a in a public statement literally just released minutes ago, quote, if there was a single word that mattered more to John than any other, that word may very well have been integrity. John strived to live each day of his life with the utmost integrity. She goes on uh, to say uh well, she goes on to say that she's proud to serve as chair of the McCain Institute for International Leadership leadership at Arizona State University. Uh, and she says, friends, the legacy and record of John McCain are under attack. Uh, through the years, many of you heard John say a fight not joined is a fight not enjoyed. Today, the fight we are fighting is for John's integrity, his record, and his legacy. Coming up, we're going to talk more about uh, the president's attacks on the late Senator John McCain with our panel Kristen Hahn, Democratic strategist, former Blue Dog Coalition Communications Director. Now she's at Rock Solutions in Washington, D.C. And Michael Steele, former senior advisor to Jeb Bush's 2016 presidential campaign. He's also a former press secretary to House Speaker John Boehner and managing director of Hamilton Place Strategies. Uh, Michael, when you hear, we'll talk about this more coming up, but when you hear this new statement from Cindy McCain, what do you think? Well, I think the, the president's continued attacks are inexplicable uh, and despicable. 
I think that there is literally no one in or out of the Republican Party who is supporting him in these attacks. I think that his, you know, his attacks on Senator McCain when he was alive were distasteful. But at this point, seven months after his passing, it's just beyond the pale. And it's clear that he can't help himself. There's no rational reason to do this. Uh, it can only hurt the president's standing and distract from important issues that he wants to be talking about, like the economy, like jobs, like foreign policy. I just I don't get it, Kristen. I, I don't get it either. And, and like Michael said, nobody's defending this. This is ridiculous. But I think more importantly, it points to a, a serious character flaw at least in the president if not you know a disorder of some sort his his former coo um was on tv just this morning talking about the mean streak this president has and it almost you know comes to the point of psychopath you know being psychopathy so well i'm I mean, not a doctor but i mean i mean when you hear and even the eulogies at the at the funeral that we covered right. uh uh, you know, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Amy Klobuchar was on the 2020 presidential campaign trail, was asked about this. She actually got choked up when she was talking about uh, her, you know, Senator McCain, the political maverick. All right. I mean, that's really there's not really much. And, more he, wants, to say. and, he's, and he's mad that nobody's thanking him for, for, right, the, for, for, for the funeral. organizing just, the funeral. There, every, every single aspect of this is distasteful or repugnant at best. I mean, it's really just uh, it's the worst of the president coming out again and again and again. President Trump says that he keeps responding to this uh, because he is asked about it by the news media. I want to move on. Facebook uh, disclosing, did you see this about Facebook? Yeah. Facebook disclosing a flaw on its social network that made passwords of hundreds of millions of users visible to employees. This according to a Bloomberg uh, report. And, and during a security review in January, what month is it? We're in March? Yep. And this is coming out in March? Yep. During a security review in January, Facebook found that the passwords were stored in a readable format, I'm reading from Bloomberg Terminal, against its security procedures, but that they were never visible to anyone outside of the company. Kristen, I mean, you've got Senator Elizabeth Warren who releases a plan. She's running for president for the Democrats from Massachusetts, releasing a plan to break up big tech. You know, last week you had social media, uh, uh, you know, facing Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter for broadcasting essentially this New Zealand horrific tragedy at those mosques. What's next? It's, I mean, look, Facebook just can't. They need to help themselves. What do they need to do? I mean, the, the first a couple of months back, it was the issue with the photos. The leak right. of the photos. Forgot about it's that. It's one thing after another. If this industry, they're lucky that senators, I mean, Senator Warner has some ideas. There are some other, you know, bipartisan um, things going on. But, like, they're lucky that these, the, the members of Congress can't get their act together and regulate them because, you know, they, they if they don't do something, then, then um, you know, they're going to have to. Yeah, it, it's, it is striking that the, that the congressman, when you have these hearings, when you have these, uh, when you have these discussions, there is a fairly low level of knowledge about how these companies work, their mm -hmm. role in our lives and society, but besides that of a user. Right. Um, you know, this was an internal issue, but given the sheer scale of some of these companies, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and I'm sure you're going to continue to see suggestions like Senator Warren's, like Senator Warren uh -huh. is looking at, uh, to increase the regulatory burden there. Well, well, how, do you, how do you, sorry, how do no, you, how do you, how do you regulate them? Well, this too? is what Better O'Rourke institutions are they? Better O'Rourke you know? says uh, that he doesn't agree with Senator Warren's plan to break them up yeah. 
break up big tech, but he says he thinks that they should be regulated like utilities, which I think is – I don't know what precisely that means, but it, it's – we're talking policy now, Beto. So there's more than – you know, he's weighing into policy. He's, he's, he's definitely uh, – former Congressman O'Rourke is dipping his toe in an actual policy debate, which is a welcome change. Yes. At the same time, I don't see how comparing these massive global cloud-based companies that appear on your everyone's <laughs> mobile phone around the world to – stationary coal plants or nuclear power plants or i mean i guess it's a utility in the sense that i get a great deal of utility from it i see my high school friends children grow up it reminds me uh, you know i would probably forget half of the birthdays of my friends and, and family if facebook didn't remind me every day but, <laughs> but you I want your sink more I, I i don't i don't really think that former congressman o'rourke has got a little more work to do uh, kind of teasing well, out this particular proposal i think we need to agree you know and i, and I don't have the same criticisms as as everybody else does about Beto this early on in the campaign. Um, But, you know, I think maybe we we need to rethink what utilities means. I mean, this is we're this is this is something that everybody uses. It, It they play a role in our lives and we pay for it and we we hand over our information to them. Um, I, I suggest everybody watch a Netflix documentary, Terms and Conditions, because Ooh. it's terrifying. You know, I'm yeah. a big fan of getting Netflix uh, recommendations. I recommend the Fire film. That is still yes. the craziest yeah. thing. Coming <laughs> up, we're going to stick with some big tech and social media because I want our panel to put on how they would advise uh, their, their 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 analytical cap. What do you tell a CEO who, who's facing these type of headline risk uh, and policy risk uh, as Washington is is locked in a in a uh, really a stare down with Silicon Valley. And it's not just Democrats, mind you. Donald Trump Jr. has even weighed in on regulations for big tech companies. Panel stays, Michael Steele, Kristen Hahn. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading my favorite app. It truly is the Bloomberg Business app. And you can also find me as well as my colleagues on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Love that song. Love Matt Kearney. One of my all-time favorite songs. It's raining in Washington, D.C. Pouring rain. Drive safe out there if you are on the roads. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're talking today about President Trump's trip to the business roundtable across town. Paging Jamie Dimon, he, of course, chairs the Business Roundtable, which is made up of the largest businesses and CEOs, most prominent CEOs uh, in in the country. About 80 to 100 CEOs were at the Business Roundtable. It was a closed-door meeting. They were talking about, well, presumably a host of different things. Uh, Earlier today, the Business Roundtable came out with a statement that said they want to see Congress pass the U.S. MCA, or NAFTA 2.0, now, It'll be interesting to see where Democrats fall on that because some, like Senator Sherrod Brown, a progressive from Ohio, have said that it's it's not NAFTA 2.0, but like NAFTA 1.2, and that it doesn't, his words, not not paraphrasing, and that it doesn't go far enough to the left. Uh, Senator Sanders, when you look at this through the 2020 lens, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, they also would argue that, that NAFTA 2.0, as the White House is calling it, doesn't go too far to the left, but trade is interesting, as our panel has pointed out, because it does cross the intersections of ideological lines. Uh, 
Kristen Hahn is a Democratic strategist. She's with us for the hour. Her first time on the show, former Blue Dog Coalition Communications Director. Now she's at Rock Solutions. And Michael Steele, former senior advisor to Jeb Bush's presidential campaign. He was also a spokesman for the former House Speaker John Boehner. Now he's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. The trade the trade issue is, is massive, huge for mm-hmm. For businesses, and, and I've been really struck. I mean, it, it's happened a lot, the intersection of Washington and Wall Street and Main Street. But really in the last two weeks, when we talk about Wells Fargo, when we talk about the Business Roundtable, GM, uh, and now big tech once again, but through the lens of really, I mean, headline risk. I mean, what would you tell Michael Steele, some of these CEOs, especially today on a, on a day where Facebook – for example, we were talking about this earlier, where Facebook announces that in January they discovered that you know a lot of their users, millions of their users, their passwords were, were viewable by folks inside the company. Well, I think the two things that I would tell any CEO involved in any of these situations is, one, tell your story. No one's going to do it for you. Be aggressive about getting out there and telling your story to the American people and their elected representatives. And the second thing is don't be don't get into a place where support or opposition to your industry or your company is a partisan issue. I think that having friends on both sides of the aisle in a divided Congress and a divided Washington is absolutely critical. Kristen? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, these the as we pointed out before, these CEOs, they they are always the best at working with with Congress. And now that we have a Republican Senate and a Democratic House, I mean, people can come together and get things done. You can form alliances. I mean, on the trade piece, I think that the new Democrat coalition has focused on that issue for for, you know, over a decade. So they'll be integral to figuring out, you know, how to move forward with USMCA. Yeah. And I think on the China issue, you've got a lot of people who would love to see a good result, would love to see concessions from China, better intellectual property protections for American companies, among other things, I just think that they don't have a lot of confidence in the president's ability to get to that deal with the Chinese, to have it enforced, to get it done fairly. And in the meantime, there's a lot of uncertainty and business disadvantages created by these sanctions that he's trying to use to force them to the table. Yeah, and I think I, you know you pointed out earlier this: the president has not worked with a divided Congress on anything successfully yet. So, well, it's wait, very we, different. We, we had respectfully, we did we did have the criminal justice reform. Sure. It's sure. a massive, okay. no, massive that's right. bipartisan. That. So, you know, but no, I mean, I mean, I'm not living under a rock. We live in a polarizing time yeah. where right. no one gets along. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the trade talks in particular, Secretary Mnuchin, U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer, they're headed to China this week, weekend, rather. Uh, and and everybody wants to know, and, and I, based on my reporting and talking to sources like in this field, I'm curious for both of your takes on this. The president can't do what he did in Vietnam with Kim Jong Un. I mean, he can, but I, I would imagine that that would be not that that would the market would just go berserk. Yeah. Should he walk out with President Xi? So I view Mnuchin and Lighthizer going over there as a continuation of laying the the groundwork or the final groundwork before a Trump Xi uh, summit at Mar-a-Lago. Right. I think yeah. that I I would not argue that that. The summit with the North Koreans went well by any stretch of the imagination. But these are issues because of the size of the Chinese market, because of the strength of the relationship, because of the interconnectedness of global trade involving involving China in the United States. These are deep, complicated, technical issues that you really can't, you know, put the two principles in a room and, you know, with it with, with a cocktail napkin and a Sharpie and come up with anything useful. Yeah, I mean, I think you sh- everybody should 
particularly the market should feel good about the fact that they are going over right. to actually have their Absolutely. staff level talks before putting the principals in the room together. Um, hopefully, the president doesn't let his ego get in the way and 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 is responsible with these negotiations. It's, you know, it's just impossible to imagine that happening. <laughs> What? You guys are such, so pessimistic today on this rain. It must be the, it's the weather. weather. It's, it's a dreary, dreary day am. here just, in our nation's capital. Just a guy from Delco who's, you know, going through the news of the day. And I've got, you know, the Republican and the Democrat just, you know, bringing me down. Here, I, you know, and I was at the White House earlier today, by the way, because, you know, everyone's waiting for this Mueller report. It's like drop. Baby Watch. I know. It, yeah, yeah, but except it's like. You know, a baby's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, here I am, and I'm like, am I going to be near the well, camera when this thing finally happens? Do you want to hear the really depressing thing, the real, the, thing, the part that might send you over the edge here? Oh, yeah, I don't know. The Mueller, Michael Steele. The, Mueller, <laughs> the Mueller report. The Mueller report is not the end of this. The Mueller report is the beginning let's, of this. Let's let's go there. Okay, so what yeah. happens? So like, let's 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 walk through because everyone is is presuming that this is going to come any uh, uh, any day. Oh, we just got a headline on the terminal. Or no, no, we didn't. Uh, but but. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm, let's focus, Kevin. Uh, but let's let's go with this. So once it does get released to the White House, what is the next step? Does it go to the Senate Judiciary Committee? Is Chairman Chuck Grassley from Iowa well, going to be caught up in this? You know, based based on the president's own comments at, at his gaggle the other day, presumably it will be released publicly pretty quickly. I, I just well, lawyers it's, have it's his totally, So it's if I'm not mistaken, right. it, it's delivered to the Department of Justice, right. and then you know the Attorney General, at his discretion. I mean, and that's, he told, that's he, interesting. So, it's so interesting. He told Congress that he would release, he'd be as transparent as he could within the letter of the law. And, like, what does that mean? Right. This, you know. yeah, this is, so there's, there's, there's legitimate concerns about revealing intelligence or law enforcement sources or methods that, have, that are a part of this report. I totally understand that, totally get it. The, as much as possible, though, should be public as quickly as possible because otherwise – People are going to start leaking portions of it selectively, well, that's, yeah, that's and that will undermine the credibility. I want to make this as simple as possible. Bob Mueller takes the Mueller report, delivers it to the Department of Justice. Then what we don't know is how long the Department of Justice is going to take to look that over to decide if they can release it publicly. And once they do make that decision, it's delivered, I believe, to the Senate Judiciary Committee and not and to house, the house, house and, intel. the house and the, the house intelligence. So as soon as it goes to the Congress, and the Democrats can subpoena. As soon as it goes to the Hill, Katie bar the door. It yeah. will be virtually yeah. public, virtually immediately. As soon as it goes to you Capitol know what the, the oh, one boy, thing I have to be careful about, you know, with what what Comey did to Hillary Clinton. You know, do you release the information on the people who who didn't ultimately? All get right, we got to leave it there. I want to thank. Uh, Kristen Hahn, Democratic strategist, uh, former Blue Dog Coalition communications director. Now she's at Rock Solutions. Tell Ron I said hi. I will do He's that. coming on next week. I will do that. And Michael Steele, former senior advisor to Jeb Bush's presidential campaign, uh, spokesman to former House Speaker John Boehner. Now he's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. I want to thank you both for coming on. That's it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Check us out on Apple iTunes, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and, of course, the Bloomberg Business App. This is Bloomberg 99.1.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.